The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to Psych Up Live with your host, Dr. Suzanne Phillips. If you're experiencing life, and we know you are... You may have a variety of questions about relationships, family issues, personal goals, coping with the unexpected, and much more. Today, you will hear some answers from a psychological perspective, and you may just take away something that fits. Here is Dr. Suzanne Phillips. Welcome to Psych Up Live. I'm your host, Suzanne Phillips. Thanks for joining me today. Our topic today is making love matter when marriage gets messy. Now, the idea for this show came from Robin D'Angelo. She's one of our guests today. Robin is a psychotherapist, relationship coach, and the founder of the Happy Couple Expert Private Practice in Orange County, California. Now, Robin created the series, How to Love Your Partner, Mastering the Messiness of Couplehood Together. To do this, she interviewed 22 mental health professionals, love experts, as she called us, because I was one of them, on everything from how do you feel as the misunderstood partner to how do you deal with the angry partner. The series is fabulous, and she's going to tell you how to access it later in the show. But for today, we're going to ask Robin, from sitting with 22 love experts, What strategies can she share with our listeners? We also have two of her experts joining us. Heather Sequin, who's coming to us from Inland Island, California. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist, and she's also been trained to be a certified sex addiction therapist and a certified clinical partner specialist. Heather's going to answer the question, how do we deal with a sex-addicted partner? How do we even take the first step? Joining us also is John Harrison. John is a licensed professional clinical counselor and coach in Cincinnati, Ohio. He works with individuals and couples, and part of his specialty is helping people heal from emotional distancing and infidelity. John is going to bring up and help us with a topic we rarely speak about, although people struggle with it. How do you move from being romantic partners to being co-parents? How do you move from having loads of time to having very little time and often very little sleep? So let me welcome you. Wait till you hear them. Welcome Robin D'Angelo, Heather Sequin, and John Harrison. It's my pleasure to have you on Psych Up Live. Thanks so much for having us. Okay. Thanks for being on. Robin, why don't we start with you, because you put together this series. Robin, what inspired the idea of the Mastering the Messiness of Couplehood Together? Sure. Well, first, let me just say thank you so much for having me on. You know, this really came about when I was doing just little two-minute relationship advice videos that I've been doing for a while, and I I just kept hearing from my own clients as a relationship coach and as a psychotherapist who works with couples, how do I do this? How can we get through these really messy parts in our relationship? How can So I started making these little just two-minute videos on different topics. And I was getting so much great feedback and so many comments and even more questions from people watching, how do mm-hmm. I love this kind of partner? <laughs> how right, do I love right. my partner who does this? 
So I was getting all of these great questions, and I thought, you know, I know a whole lot about couples and relationships and love, but I have some really great colleagues and other love and relationship experts in my world that know even more. So why not bring everyone together and just bring an incredible amount of support and tips and tools and strategies that people can start using right away? Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what you did. One of the things I loved about the series and, and I loved being in it is because the basic message was it doesn't mean the marriage has to end when you hit a rough spot. In fact, it doesn't have to end when things get messy. It might even get better. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that that really was a part of what inspired me because as much as I really, truly appreciate that we live in a world today that empowers and emboldens people to move away from really toxic and abusive relationships. I think it's almost gone to the extreme in some cases where there's almost a sense of entitlement of, I don't deserve to be treated certain ways. And if that happens, instead of trying to work through it, I'm just going to leave because that's easier. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely, absolutely. And what it, it's so sad to me when couples do break up, and then I see them match up with people who were even not even quite as good a match as the original folks had they had an opportunity to work through the rough times. Now, Robin, you there were 22, 22 mm-hmm. of us, 22 experts. Did you actually come away with some strategies and perspectives that you really stuck with you that you'd like to pass on to our listeners? I did. And, you know, you get 22 love and relationship experts from, you know, all over the country, and you're going to come up with 22 different remarkable messages. However, there were definitely some main themes that you could see in the interviews and in the information that they shared with all of us. And it's because relationships at the core are very similar, right? So we all really truly have this yearning and this sense of need to be understood, cared for, respected, and truly cherished by our partners. Mm -hmm. And so anything that you can do in a relationship that enhances that or creates a safe environment for that or removes some of the obstacles that get in the way of those things happening, you know, that's the kind of strategies and tips that you were hearing throughout all of the interviews. And a lot of the time it was You know, I was really asking, like you said, it's called how to love your partner. So it was, how do I understand my introvert or extrovert partner? How do I understand my partner who had a miscarriage? So a lot of what you heard in the messages was number one, first and foremost, is get really curious with your partner that you're super frustrated with, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Right, right. It's absolutely great. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was a big message throughout the whole thing, too. Mm. The other thing that you're saying, even in saying that, is when you ask someone to get curious, they usually can't be curious and anxious at the same time. And as soon as people get curious and start to make meaning out of their frustrating partner or their anxious partner or their angry partner, all of a sudden they don't start to necessarily take it personally the blame-shame game cuts down. The idea of making meaning seemed to me, as you're saying, was a very salient part of every one of your experts' messages. It absolutely was. And, you know, my goal was really, truly to, you know, empower any of the disconnected and frustrated couples that were listening to learn those key skills and understanding, you know, why it is their partner does what they do, you know, and so understanding the why in it really, really, truly helps you connect with your partner. And, you know, I had a a really smart and funny and brilliant mentor, um, Dr. Peter Pearson. He said one time, you know, when you lose your why, you lose your way. Mm, And that really stuck with me. Yeah, that Mm -hmm. really stuck with me because it's, 
it's when we lose connection to the why is it that our partner is showing up a certain way or why is it that I have invested into this relationship? When we stay connected to that, we truly can navigate and master the messiness of couplehood. Absolutely. What a wonderful idea. When you lose your why, you lose your way. Now, one of the things that you shared on the show was how we deal with the anxious partner. Mm -hmm. And when I thought of how often people have said to me, I can't deal with this person. She likes worrying. She's unhappy unless there's something to worry about. Um, I thought, oh, that that's a really valuable topic to really share. I wonder if you could share some of your thoughts and strategies for, in this culture, with everyone anxious, how do we deal with our anxious partners? <laughs> for sure. I am so happy to, because as you know, you know, a part of my work with couples is really, truly helping people make anxiety their superpower. So, um, you know, anxiety, it, it, anxiety disorders affect about 18% of the U.S. adult population. And Suzanne, that's 40 million people. So this says a lot about our society, and there's only about a third of them who reach out for help. So, you know, anxiety disorders are super, super treatable. And there's just a couple things that I want to say to those who may be experiencing anxiety or if they are partnered with someone who experiences anxiety. Um, And that first piece is... Please know that as frustrating as it may be to be with someone who's anxious, it's a hundred times harder for them (laughs) to live and breathe and feel the anxiety. Mm. Um, And it's not something anyone chooses, right? So it's, it's really, truly about, number one, kind of creating the space for acceptance. This is a part of, of my partner. It's something they experience. So the first part of that is just acknowledging it to your partner in a non-judgmental, shame-free way, which can sound something like, you know, wow, like I can see that this is really, you know, stirring up some anxiety within you. Just acknowledging it. Because when you do that, you really truly just, you give them that space to breathe and say, oh, okay, yeah, this is anxiety. Mm. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm just kind of going through it right now. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. And once you've been able to acknowledge it, it's just have their back, right? Is being able mm-hmm. to show up and say, I know this has been really hard for you. Um, let me know if you need anything. So mm-hmm. kind of, you know, holding back from trying to fix it or telling them to just stop it because if they could, they would. <laughs> well, when you say the the empathy and I'm, you know, I can really appreciate how, how difficult it is for you. You're talking about the empathic presence of another person. And we know from very limp, infant, from little infants on that compassionate empathic presence definitely dis- starts to move someone from dysregulation to regulation. It helps the anxiety. Precisely, precisely. So even just that person who's anxious, feeling seen and feeling accepted by their partner lowers the anxiety, right? And so once that starts to happen, I always say, you know, the last piece of this is, can you celebrate your anxious partner's efforts to manage their anxiety, right? So it's that like verbal high five, like, wow, you really got yourself through that. I'm super proud of you. Or thank you so much for letting me help you through that. Um, That could have been a whole lot worse. I'm really impressed with the way you did that. And it's that simple. It reminds the anxious person, you've got this. And I'm not going anywhere when anxiety shows up because it's going to. Well, it's when we think about it, being mad, or if an anxious partner thinks you're mad at them for being anxious, I don't think they're getting calmer. I mean, it's, right. you know, it's like screaming at someone, stop being so nervous. It just doesn't go that way. <laughs> I, I, I love the idea of hi-fi being metaphorically supporting someone for every little mm-hmm. step. Because once a couple's working together on something like this, it makes all the difference in the world. We're going to have to take a quick break. Uh, I'm loving your message, and I'm sure our listeners are. You've been listening to Psych Up Live, and we're here today speaking about loving your partner 
through the messy times. We're with Robin D'Angelo, who's the creator of the series, Mastering the Messiness of Couplehood Together. And we're with two experts from her series, Heather Sequin, who'll be talking about dealing with the sexually addicted partner, and John Harrison, who's going to speak about how do we go from being partners to co-parents. Stay with us. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you streaming live the leader in internet talk radio voiceamerica.com you are listening to psych up live join in our conversation today by calling dr suzanne phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788 that's 1-866-472-5788 you may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now, back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're talking about a very interesting topic, holding on and holding on to love and your partner, even when things get messy in marriages. And we this whole show comes out of Robin D'Angelo's series on mastering the messiness of couplehood together. We just heard Robin, and now we're going to hear from one of those experts that was part of the series, Heather Sequin. Heather, thanks for coming on to Psych Up Live. Um, your topic is dealing with the sexually addicted partner. I'm personally really interested, having worked with folks who are so despairing, Heather, because they, at first, when they realize that their partner is sexually addicted, they feel betrayed. Then they start to feel hopeless. Then they often feel enraged. So I'm wondering, you're an expert in this. How would we, first of all, broadly define sexual addiction, and then how do we move into helping? Thanks so much for having me, Suzanne. It's a pleasure. Um, I'm going to start by defining what sex addiction is not, and then I'll tell you what it is. Um, There's a lot of misunderstanding about what sex addiction is, and so I want to kind of clear the air that um, sex addiction is not a moral issue or a moral failing. Um, It is not, you know, a high sex drive or, you know, quote unquote, unusual sexual interest. Um, You know, there's no real definition of what normal sexuality is. And uh, that's one of the confusing points is that, you know, maybe my sex life doesn't look like everybody else's. And so that makes me an addict. 
And I want to say very firmly that that's just not true. Um, so what sex addiction is, is a preoccupation and uh, a sense of being out of control in your sexual behaviors. And, you know, it's the same as what we see with any other addiction. You know, when we're looking at alcohol or, or substances, we see someone who, you know, can't, can't stop themselves. And, you know, they might want to and they might recognize the negative consequences in their life, but they just can't let it go. And oftentimes they don't even know why. Mm. And so, you know, when we're looking at addiction, it's important that we recognize uh, the pain of the person experiencing it as well as the traumatic impact that it has on other people in their life. Mm-hmm. Very well said. I'm so glad you clarified what is and isn't. So typically from what you've seen, what's the type of presenting problem? Is it usually that a partner starts to realize the other is sexually addicted? Is it that the love life in the marriage stops and they begin to wonder? What are the cues that make this come to the forefront? You know, that's such a great question, and I wish it was a simple uh, answer, but it really does take a wide form in how it presents. Um, You know, sometimes it's because the partner finds out and is, you know, completely shocked um, to discover what their partner is doing. Um, You know, sometimes the partner has a hint and it just kind of falls out. Um, Sometimes the person who's struggling with the addiction, you know, is overcome with guilt or shame and just discloses it to their partner. Um, So it can kind of appear in many ways. And, you know, often you're right. What we do see is, um, you know, kind of a loss of intimacy in the relationship. Um, And that might be sexual intimacy, but it might just be emotional connection. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, oftentimes people can have a thriving sex life and yet it might not be a connected sex life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that that is such a good point and so true because in some cases, the partner, the partners are still being sexual, but as you say, it's like the music has stopped, and there's a kind of disconnect in sharing. You know, with addictions, when there's a secret that one of the partners is holding, there really can't be intimacy. People can look like they're going through the motions, but. Someone's suffering with an addiction that they're hiding, they're not feeling good, and they're really not being authentic or really open very often. That is completely on point. Um, You know, it really is because there's so much shame in addiction in general, but especially with sex addiction, there's so much shame, um, not only in the person within themselves, but also in in sharing it, you know, um, that there's this whole hidden life that's happening. And like you said, when we have a part of ourselves that we're not sharing with another person, intimacy obviously suffers. Mm -hmm. Now, if a partner does admit that they can't stop they can't stop watching porn they've even had been called into work it's on their computer whatever real real problems um what do you find is the most um kind of constructive steps for the partners to take if in fact the the person who's addicted is saying please don't leave me i'll do anything i'll try to get help now, what's a constructive step? Who does one go to? How, how do people find you? What are the kind of things that happen? That's a great question. Uh, and finding adequate support is definitely the, uh, the best first step. Um, there are many people who, you know, say that they specialize in sex addiction, but that's usually because, you know, they've just kind of fallen into it and, you know, done it for a few years. Uh, but there are some of us who are actually trained to work in sex addiction. Um, so I'm a certified sex addiction therapist candidate, um, mm-hmm. and I've done, you know, over 150 hours of, of training to, to really understand the person who's struggling with the addiction, as well as understanding and helping the partner. So when someone, you know, becomes aware of this addiction in their relationship, the first thing to do is to go to someone who really understands what you're going through. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are ways for, you know, to find someone who's qualified to do that. Um, people can find me on, on my website, and I'd be happy to help uh, get someone connected with a person who can help them in their area. Um, mm-hmm. It's also important to get support from um you know, your peers, if you will. 
Um, there are lots of, you know, sex addiction support groups, um, you know, kind of the, the AA of the sex addiction world. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you go to, to people who have that experience, you're going to someone who, who really gets it, who gets yes. you, who knows what you're going through and can really help. Mm-hmm. I, that's invaluable because they're just like there are partner groups, there are sexual addiction groups, and then you think, I'm not the lone person, I'm not a crazy person. It really validates and supports. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, I love that you use the word crazy because that is often the first thing that partners say. You know, I feel crazy or how could I have missed this? How did I not know this was happening? And... Um, there is a, a deep sense of betrayal in the partner when they find out that all of this stuff is going on. And oftentimes it's kind of one revelation after another. And when you think you know the whole story, then something new comes along and it's like you've been hit by a truck all over again. And so it's so important to have someone in your life say, you're not crazy. Um, you know, it's okay for you to feel all of these conflicting emotions, you know, because oftentimes mm. there's, there's this desire to run away forever and then there's also this desire to stay because you do love your partner and you don't want to let that go but you're so um, caught up in the hurt and the pain that you're experiencing that you just don't know what to do and that's why the first step of getting good support is so so important Mm. so one partner do do couples come together to you and to to certified sexual addiction uh, specialists or do they go separately I know people have different thoughts about it. Yeah, it's both. Um, So I've had people who come, you know, individually, and then I've also had couples. So it, you know, just depends. Um, I've seen people who are coming who are not in a relationship but just want to work on it for themselves. Um, And then, of course, you know, the most common thing is when the addiction has impacted a relationship, and so the couple is coming in together to work on it. And usually what we'll do is, you know, we'll be working with them. You know, we'll have one therapist who will work with them as a couple, and then usually someone else or maybe two other people who work with each of the partners individually because there's a lot of dynamics going on. And so Mm -hmm. it's really beneficial if each person can have their own, you know, advocate and support person to talk to. Mhm mhm. So I mean one of the things that people will say well how much how much help or uh, I feel embarrassed to go speak to someone but if you recognize what you mentioned Heather at the beginning that sexual addiction like other addictions really stems from early pain inability to regulate anxiety early attachment all kinds of complicated things there is a way out if you allow someone to help you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love, you know, you're right. It's it's very much connected to, you know, early ways of coping. You know, usually, you know, I see people who've been, you know, using their sexuality as a way of coping with the stresses and anxieties of life since they were, you know, an adolescent. And so it, it takes a little bit of, um, you know, guidance and support to learn new ways to deal with life, you know, because that's really what's fueling the addiction is, you know, I can't deal with what's going on right now and this makes me feel better. And so in order to overcome the addiction, we need to find new ways of taking care of ourselves and connecting to other people. So I'm going to ask you the question I think listeners who, for whom this is relevant might be wondering. You mean you've actually worked with couples who in the end stayed together and were able to have a non-addicted, intimate, and happy marriage? Absolutely. Um, in fact, some of my favorite couples are the ones who are coming in to work on sex addiction. Um, you know, it's the beautiful thing is that the revelation of the sex addiction is obviously very destructive, and yet for couples who really want to work through it and are committed to, you know, working through that messiness, there's such a beautiful relationship waiting on the other side. And, you know, you're really what you're doing is you're saying goodbye to the old relationship and you're creating something totally new. And what's great about the new relationship is that you're starting off you know, completely open with the other person. They know the skeletons in your closet and they're choosing you anyway. And Mm. that is what someone who struggles with sex addiction is most afraid of. If you knew what was in my closet, you wouldn't want me. And so when a partner says, 
I know that ugly skeleton that's in your closet, and I'm still going to choose you, and I'm going to help you clean out the closet. You know, it really opens up such a deep level of intimacy that usually couples have never experienced before. It's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, We're going to move on to now another problem or, you know, joy and problems. John, let's talk about... Um, I know you work on intimacy, particularly with couples and individuals. Let's talk about what you shared on the series, which was the issue of how do we move from being romantic partners to co-parents and what's the impact on a couple? How do we think about it? Suzanne, thanks for having me on. Mm-hmm. I, Yeah, it, this is a really common thing, and I think I had mentioned it um, in depth during the, the interview with with Robin, and when we enter into a marriage, um, in the case where we're, we're having kids in, in, a, in a marriage scenario, um, there's no way to predict the impact that these children are going to have on our on our relationship, and the things that happen with our with the intimacy, um, the communications, our lines of communication, uh, basically. Um, and, and in many cases, the relationship kind of takes um, a, a, almost a brand new start or an overhaul. Mm. You know, it's so interesting because so many people say he or she changed after the baby. And so what you're saying is the redefinition, the overhaul, if you will, becomes really very important. But I think sometimes people start to panic and think, oh, my God, I don't even know. I don't even know if I want to be here. I love the baby, but I don't love how we are. Yeah. Well, people overreact to what is so very common, and that is that you're bringing another human being into your family. And it's going to have an it's going to have a direct impact, and in many different ways. So this this particular topic is interesting to me because I have two young children. So I've seen, um, like many other parents, I've seen firsthand how this has affected my relationship. So um, mm. it's challenging. It's not easy. And I think one of the things that's been able to help me, and in many ways where I'm able to help clients that I work with, is that it's not supposed to be easy. This is so. <laughs> This is challenging because it is hard, and I think Robin had mentioned it earlier, and I think you did too, Suzanne, is that if we can start to look at the challenges in our relationship as opportunities of growth, then we can really start to do a lot of, of work and, and um, even bring our relationship closer together and make it better. Mm. So what are some of the um, – we have a few minutes left in this section, and then we're going to pick it up again. But what are some of the things you had to come to realize that helped you deal with what was hard? I mean, what was particularly difficult for you, John, and what did you kind of come to see or accept that worked? Well, one of the bigger things, um, of one of many, but making sacrifice – and really being able to kind of take inventory on what was important for me and where I was spending my time. Mm. Because if I was going to approach this change in my relationship um, and stay closer or at least as close to my wife as I had been before kids, um, I I can't fit any more on my plate. So the idea that I need to do more is not going to work for me personally. Mm -hmm. And I know Mm -hmm. it doesn't for for many parents. So I've got to cut the dead weight of where I'm spending my time that's not having a direct payoff in my values. Mm, So really mm. taking inventory on what I value. um, And I do value my relationship with my wife. I do want to make it better. I do want to be, um, you know, a present husband and father. And so really just, you know, making some sacrifice. And and that's, that's hard. That's not easy to do. Mm-hmm. I, it's such a great thing. I've I've heard young fathers say, I'm loving parenting. I haven't been surfing lately or I haven't, you know, I ha- I'm not in a certain league or two leagues anymore, but that doesn't work at this point in my life. That acceptance really um, is an enormous piece. Right. It's huge. And it's kind of like the things you've been avoiding almost all of your single life. And now you're being put in a position where... You have to you have to kind of make those changes. I mean, it, it, it's again, it's not easy. But if you had to choose, you're going to, um, you know, hopefully you're going to choose your partner. Mm. You know, we're going to take a brief break. When we come back, I want to ask you the question of 
with respect to making sacrifices, holding on to your partner in a certain way, we also have the complicated fact that everyone comes with the baggage from their original family and the way they were raised and the template they saw as their parents. So we're going to talk about how that fits in. You've been listening to Psych Up Live. We're going to take a brief break. We're li- we're talking with Robin D'Angelo, Heather Sequin, and we're just talking with John Harrison. Our topic at the moment is how do we go from being partners to being co-parents? Stay with us. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. They say you can't change the weather, but we already have. And if we've changed it for the worse, let's change it for the better. Tune in to The Climate Opportunity, a two-hour special hosted by Beth Green and Dr. Grant Dean. Expert guests, Professor Scott Denning, Chef Laura Steck, video journalist Peter Sinclair, and Kelsey Worth of Women Out Front will share how we can improve our lives while improving our weather. Listen on Inside Out Radio, Tuesday, November 11th, starting at 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Presented by Inside Out Radio and Voice America. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. At the moment, we are with um, Robin D'Angelo and two of her experts from the Mastering the Messyhood of Couplehood Together. Um, Mastering the Messiness of Marriage when we have a problem and how do we resolve it in in a way that makes us bigger than we were before we (laughs) faced these difficulties. Um, John Harrison, who's a um, clinical counselor and works, he's from Ohio. John, you're talking to us about parenting and and how to face the challenges. I love when you said parenting, one reality is it is hard. Um, and it, you're saying it really does change things. We're talking a bit about making sacrifices. So I had two questions before the break. Uh, one is, what do we do with all the baggage we bring from our own parents? And two, when is sacrifice too much sacrifice such that the couple can't even find each other while everybody's walking around in the dark, sleep deprived? Yeah. Oh, well, those are two two big questions. Um, the the first one about the, the bringing baggage in from our own experience, I guess, from our being children of our parents. Is that yeah accurately how you yeah? Um, you know, awareness can be painful. I think um, <laughs> I I, I want to say that it's, when I'm working with couples, a lot of times it's. The realization that oh, I've turned into my father or I've turned into my mother. <laughs> it's true. And yeah. one thing that we want to do is be gentle with ourselves and notice that 
there's only so much we can control. We can't we can't completely be different than our parents, but at the same time, we do have some level of control to try to to, to mitigate the things that we didn't like or we weren't necessarily um, affiliated with, I guess, or want to affiliate with, and, and, and in some essence, be a better parent, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So we don't want to throw away, like, the baby with the bathwater. You know, there's some, there's some, there's a fine line between being too overly critical of ourselves. And I think, you know, if we can actually use this as a topic to connect with our partner, then we can kind of kill two birds with one stone. My wife and I will commonly talk about like each other and how we're growing. And I don't know if this is common or uncommon in couples, but we, we have some heart to hearts about like our faults and where we feel like we're falling short. And maybe my wife felt guilty about how she addressed our our four-year-old, you know, yesterday or, or this afternoon. And we talk about those things and we try to be as objective as possible and where that might have come from and kind of how we deal with it um, on a personal level. That's wonderful. I think that's that's not only self-compassion, it's compassion with each other. Because even if you can laugh about it, and you know, I, yeah, I my children are not little by any means, but even just to say, I think I've just turned into my mother, look what I just did. I mean, really... Mm-hmm really invites a little bit, as you say, of the self-acceptance of it's not so easy to completely unpack what you carried into a marriage with or into parent into parenthood with. Um, how do you and your wife manage to find each other while you're co-parenting and what message can we send to new co- new parents? Well, that's you know that's probably the, the crux of the problem is that you you kind of move away from each other to parent and then you have to come back and find the time to connect and I think the best thing that we've been able to do or I found is just you have to be intentional about doing it you can't expect your partner to meet you you have to be assertive about how you want to connect with your partner so we have made a plan to be very intentional when. I come home or she comes home at the end of the day, we embrace and we embrace in the morning. And then we also set aside time in the evening to talk and we try to turn off the devices and the TV and have face to face time instead of Mm. having shoulder to shoulder time where we're watching a TV show or a game or or whatever it might be. Like we, we just have to be more intentional. Mm, mm. You know, they say no one has time. There is no time. You have to make the time. Right, you have to make the time mm-hmm. because you don't you don't have a choice, um, mm-hmm. and I think that's where the kind of cutting the dead weight comes in too, because you you carve out the time and then and then, but then there's also the part of being intentional too, because I could be physically present, but if I'm not emotionally and mentally present, what does it matter? So I need to make sure that I'm checking in with myself and I'm as present as I can be when I am and spending time with my wife and connecting with her. So what do you tell clients when they say something like, well, I would shut off my devices in the evening, but he clearly prefers checking his emails to speaking with me? Well, there has to be a, a boundary that's drawn um, for mm-hmm. each each person. And, you know, if the if point of contention here is how much time am, is my partner spending on their devices as opposed to me, then obviously that's something that you would want to set a boundary with and mm-hmm. you're going to have to hold firm with. At the same time, um, if you have such limited time together, you don't want to be fighting every other second um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and being in each other's throats, which I, I think happens a lot. So we want to pick our battles, but at the same time, we do want to be clear with our boundaries and what's important to us and communicating those values too. So if I'm spending my time telling my spouse that I don't like what they're doing with their with their device or on their, being on their email, by arguing with them, I'm missing an opportunity to communicate them how important it is for them to disconnect and be present with me because it matters. And mm-hmm. so we really want to be careful about how we're communicating those wishes and those boundaries. Mm. I like the way you say that, and I do think people are much more receptive to some sort of negotiation where when there's children, there's barely time for anything, including private time. So 
if that was a partner's private time, but the other was saying, well, if that's the whole night, then we never get together. But if someone can respect someone's need to have some private time, then there's a possibility. I, I like your implication that don't waste the time fighting. You don't have much of it. You know, try to do what you and your wife do, which is to try to talk a bit, even if it's to talk about how can we come up with a better plan. Right. It, to spend the time connecting is going to be more beneficial. It's not going to make the difficulty of parenting go away. It's not going to make mm-hmm. you have more time. It's not going to necessarily even make the stress go down. But it's connecting. And since you're sharing this experience together, and in essence, the struggle together, why not connect over it and learn from each other instead of bickering and resisting what already is? And what, you know, we'd be, ultimately we'd be resisting the, the fact that we're parents and we have ultimately more responsibility. So why do that? Instead, be more intentional and uh, be more, uh, I guess, more connecting in terms of your time together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that that would apply to when you're talking about different child approaches and parenting approaches. If, if you continue to kind of think about, I don't know if that works as well. What do you think about that? Or right. if you really become co-partners on parenting, then some things aren't going to work, but you really then are brainstorming together, and that's more together time. I think that's what you're saying, John, that you and your wife are yeah, able absolutely. to do. Yeah, it's 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 terrific. It's a terrific message. Mm -hmm. Um, So let me now bring us back. I know that um, listeners are going to want to be able to hear a take-home message from each of you. But even before we do that, let's go back for a minute. Robin, how would our listeners find you, your series? What's a good way for them to do that? Yeah, so they can find me directly um, on my website, which is thehappycoupleexpert.com. I'm on Facebook and Twitter, same same handles, and um, they can actually check out, you know, all the interviews are available for purchase now, and they can head over to howtoloveyourpartner.com. And so all of the interviews are there, along with some bonuses um, that I'm sharing with the audience. And, uh, yeah, they'll have access to all the information, and they can touch base with me as well. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Okay. Heather, how about you? How could folks get resources from you, connect with you directly? What's the best way for listeners to do that? Uh, So people can find me on my website. It's clearchoicecounseling.com. And, um, you know, they can email me through there or give me a call, and I'd be happy to connect them with resources. Um, I will also put a link on my website that will help people who are not in the Inland Empire in California where I am. I'll put a link there so that they can find a sex addiction therapist near them. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Heather. And, John, how would folks find you? You you deal with a wide range of difficulties, and how would they find you and your um, information? Well, the, the best way to find me is going to be at my website at johnharrisoncounseling.com. Um, you can email me from the contacts there on that website. And um, another place you could find me is also would be on Facebook at John Harrison Counseling and Coaching. Would be okay. the page. Terrific. And there's so many topics um, I know that you touch on. Thank you so much. So let's give our listeners a take-home message. Robin, what you were the expert um, and the person who put all everybody together. What would be your take-home message in terms of mastering the messiness of marriage? You know, I think my take-home message would kind of be twofold. It would be continue to get curious with your partner and stay connected to the why of every element of your partnership, of your couplehood, and to just keep in mind that we'll stay connected and really master the messiness of couplehood. It requires you to do the small things often in your relationship. So to continue to show up in small ways every single day and to choose your partner over and over again. That would be my well, take home. I love it. Small things mm-hmm. many times. Terrific. Thanks, Robin. Heather, how yeah. about you? What, what take home message would you share? I would really like people to uh, not let shame steal their relationship. 
Mm. You know, that's really the main thing that people experience is that that deep shame that keeps them from really connecting to their partner and to others in their life. And I I really want to really destroy that shame and let people know that they're not alone and that people really will love them for who they truly are. Mm, Beautiful. Don't let shame steal your relationship. I love it. Thank you so much, Heather. And John, how about you? What take-home message would you like to share with the listeners? I think I'd start with adjusting expectations to make them more realistic and healthy for your situation. Um, and I guess in specific in terms of being a parenting or co- a co-parenting partner. Um, also, not having to think you have to do more. I think that we want to actually lighten up our load and, and take on less stress instead of increasing it. So um, that's going to require us to make some sacrifice and be more present with your partner and also mm. focus on what's important. So really being able to take an inventory on those values and and, and living from those values and, and acting through those values. I love that idea of focusing on what's so important because the compass can get very, very, we can really get lost in the, in the battles over, you know, they say don't sweat the small stuff. When you're exhausted and when you can't find your partner and talk and connect, as you say, John, sometimes you don't even know why you're fighting over something that really has to do with should, should we serve the baby kale or potatoes? I mean, it. It's really nothing about that. It's it's really about, you know, being mindful of the adjustment, as you said. So it's a great message. I really appreciate your sharing. I want to thank the three of you. I think that you really, by coming on and sharing, you expanded the series and you really give a gift to all the listeners. Thank you so much. Thank I, you, Suzanne. I, oh, thanks for coming on, all of you. I want to thank well, my listeners. Oh, you're certainly welcome. Um, Thanks to my listeners. Remember, um, when you can hear this and any prior show as a podcast on my host site, on my website, on the Voice America podcast site, and also if you go to the podcast free podcast app of your iPhone, just type in Voice America, Psych Up Live, you'll hear every every show we do as a podcast. We're also on iTunes, Sketcher, so in your own time and in your own way, even if you listen to sections at a time, all of the shows, this show in particular, is available to you. Remember to drop me a comment or question at radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Mostly, until next week, please take care, thanks, and be listening. Thank you for tuning in to Psych Up Live. Please join Dr. Suzanne Phillips for another edition of our programming next Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk more next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.